From the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's time for another edition of The Other Kind Radio. I'm Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. I was listening to a couple episodes recently, and I have got to get this intro switching screens to my script for the show or the run for the show because we do record one take. But that's why I always laugh because I've done this 39 times now and I'm still learning. So anyway, welcome. (laughs) My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd is your other host. He's joining us from his studio in Dallas, Texas. He'll be on in a few minutes. Uh, The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and I take the grrr, take a bite out of pop culture, just like McGruff, the crime dog. I guess that was on TV when I wrote this. Way to go. Today is Wednesday, December 27th, 2018. This is episode 39 on today's show. Headlines. Todd's take is going to be on a Netflix series called Innocent Man. My judgment's going to be on a show called Bird Box or a movie called Bird Box which was on Netflix and on main stage. We're going to cover a little pop culture um, from the holidays. We're going to talk about some of our favorite films, songs, and other essence of holiday stuff, pop culture that we uh, enjoy. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's go ahead and get uh, the guy that actually knows how to do this on. See if he's available. I know he's just acquired a harmonica and a ukulele. Oh, there he is. Whoa. Happy holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Those don't really fit together, but you know, that's the only thing that came to mind. Are there any harmonica holiday songs? Ooh, this one. (laughs) Happy holidays. Why, why did you get a harmonica? You know, the harmonica is a relic of about five years ago. I like to learn new instruments, and my wife takes care of me in that way. And for some reason, when the harmonica came, I was kind of like, oh, cool. And then I realized, you know, I, I knew this, but she only gave it to me in one key. Unfortunately, it is one of the keys I do not ever perform in because it doesn't fit my vocal range. So I went, oh, great. Trash. So but harmonicas, harmonicas are made it. in keys? Yeah, they're oh. made in keys. So you can, uh, you basically get it, I, I believe, and I'm not the most well-versed on harmonica, but I believe it's all in major keys. And every major key has what's called a relative minor. So if you're C, you can also play an A minor. It's the same thing, mm. same numbers of sharps. Blah, 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 blah. I know I'm boring people. <clears throat> but I just felt like pulling it out. I, I I thought, you know what? I need to learn that. And I have a little extra at Christmas money. I'm going to go out and probably later today buy a full set of harmonicas so I can actually teach myself to play. How many are in a set? You know, that I don't know. I I, I would love, I know it's, I want to say there's seven. $12,000 later. (laughs) I didn't know there were 30. So I did go to Guitar Center. I thought, okay, so I got a little Christmas money. What am I going to do? And I thought, oh, I really would like to learn to play that. And I looked, and you can either go with the $700 full set or the $39 learner's kit. And I was like, that's the one I'm going for. Right. Okay. Anyway. So what key is, is are you are you native to then? I am much more of an A to a B. Okay. If you put anything in A and B, I can usually sit in that pocket pretty well. Uh so yeah Mm -hmm. on to the next topic we're boring the list no 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 this is good because the other thing you've picked up is a a miniature guitar a mandolin oh you got it right (laughs) that was actually my wife's present to me this year i i really because of uh, playing with our friend steve uh, oftentimes i'll do what's called capoing my guitar that's capo is just a device that allows you to change the key of the guitar and I'll capo up high so we have a mandolin sound. And I thought, you know, why not get one and learn to play? So it's good for the brain. It's almost like learning another language because it's the same ideas but different chord shapes. So on the hierarchy of guitars, I'm picking, I'm picturing 
um, ukulele, mm-hmm. mandolin, then acoustic, and then electric, and then double electric. I have no idea what hierarchy you just described. The smallest to the to the largest. Oh, you know, the ukulele and the mandolin are, are fairly similar in size. Well, strum us, give us a strum there. I told Jeff I only know three chords so far. That's that's B sharp minor. No. That's minoring in Spanish. This would be G. That's oh. D. That's A. Back to D. There you go. That is what, uh, what, it's two days of owning this. That's got me three chords. <laughs> that's, you know, according to Bono, that's all you need is three chords in the truth. And Bono, all you need is three chords. I'm going to call him up and see if he likes that impersonation. He listens to the show. Speaking of which, I wanted to go really quickly go over. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. That was like show and tell. Remember show and tell from school? I do. That was like no show and tell. <laughs> It was more like tell not tell not tell no show. Good there lord! There you go. Maybe recording the show later in the day isn't a good idea. Um, Could we've gotten drunk before this? <laughs> drinking coffee. Good lord! Um, show and tell. Do they do that anymore? Did your when your daughter was in grade school? Do they have show and tell? No, they send people to prison for show and tell now. <laughs> nice. I'm right as I'm taking a drink of coffee. Um. <laughs> I wonder why. They, I wonder why. But it wasn't like every day. Was it like a day of the week they had show and tell? No, I remember that too. And and I was so excited every time they did it. And you know, you would be, you'd think, oh, the class is going to love this, and you get up front, and yeah. everybody's looking like, so. Jeff, what'd you bring for show and tell? I brought my sandwich. <laughs> 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 I mean, I guess <clears throat> I, I want to know how long it's been since they've started doing show and tell or stopped doing it. That's interesting. We'll research that a little bit more. Um, Next time on the other kind of radio, show and tell. Show and tell. Show and tell. The the worst idea for any kind of podcast or talk radio. Um, So I just want to give an update for like the last 30 days. We've had some interesting uh, uh, listenership. Uh, We uh, Ashburn, Virginia has jumped in uh, and it's spelled B-E-R-W-Y-N. Berwyn, Illinois. Okay. Chicago's making a, a strong move, and then we had Langley, Canada, which I mm-hmm. believe one, that listener um, found us on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And then uh, country-wise, uh, United Kingdom, Australia, Peru is somebody that found us on SoundCloud, and Turkey. So we continue to expand and welcome those cities and countries to the other kind radio. Hopefully... Uh, you're familiar enough with the format that you won't just think um, we've lost our minds. So there you go. How was the uh, holiday for you? Was it good? Holiday was, you know, really, really good. I, I'd said to Jeff before that we lost my father-in-law in this past year. So it was a little bit of a somber occasion when we all get together and it's the first time he's not there with us. But, you know, really it was a, a very touching a couple of days where that family pulled together and supported my mother-in-law and then you know time with my parents is always great so and then lastly you know having a kid that just kind of makes christmas a ton of fun and she has stepped into the vinyl world which you know at some point we're going to have to have the discussion about vinyl versus digital because until the other day i really was like hey i love music obviously you know i'm doing all this i constantly teach myself sonically i'd kind of gone i don't want to get into that i was wrong I hooked hers up, and we. The, she has become a Queen fan because of Bohemian Rhapsody, and we sat there, and actually we laid on the ground together with our heads kind of together as we listened to it, and oh my God, I, I was wrong. Sonically, it is an entirely different experience to listen to vinyl than it is digital. Yeah, there's something to be said for the the physical nature in which the sound is produced. And every, you know, most people say it's a warmer sound. Um, and, and the same could be same f- uh, for uh, vacuum tubes, which are also used in some amplifiers, right. some older amplifiers. So I just, I found there was so much warmth and there was, it was so much, it was, it was a broader sound. There were things, you know, because she's listened to so much Queen here lately. I'd heard these songs time and time again. And I was like, I didn't hear that or that or that piano sounds so much more pr- compressed to the middle. And now it's out there on its own. It's, I, I've, I basically told her I may have to get my own turntable and we're, we're going to have to collect vinyl together. 
So the the first thing that was played was Bohemian Rhapsody. I want to say that was the first thing. The first was she got Bohemian Rhapsody. I she actually got Queen's Greatest Hits. She got ABBA's Greatest Hits because God help me, she's become an ABBA fan. And then the weekend, uh, his album Starboy, which nice. you know I'm not a huge fan, but he, he doesn't suck. I'll put it that way. I'll be interested to hear more. Now, do you own a lot of vinyl yourself, or is this going to be a new venture? Oh, that's good. So I really don't. So, you know, the, the cool thing is, is she's already kind of a pop culture nut with me, and so uh-huh. now we get to add in going to record shows and record stores and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, How about that, you? How was your Christmas? My holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah, all, all, all cultures welcome. Um, was good. It was, it was kind of quiet. Um, which is good and just, you know, hung out and with family and, and, uh, opened some presents and gave some presents and I'm, you know, this is the first year that it's really kind of been, um, uh, just time that you're unplugging and getting away from devices and, and email and work and everything else. So, um, it was not the most hyped holiday but uh relaxed quiet and enjoyable um it's amazing how with it with everything kind of running together now how it can kind of feel a little bit like a marathon and you're just wanting to make sure you get through and get things squared away so we did uh i did get a few gifts uh for the studio so i'm excited about that and we um uh, have some plans for next year to kind of change things up. So that's kind of exciting, but, uh, I've got a show in January and this is a show that alternates every other year from January to March and the years that it's in January kind of, uh, affect the holidays as well as there's a lot of work and whatnot going on at the same time. So, um, but it's good. I'm looking forward to new years and seeing what 2019 brings with uh podcast and family and friends and everything. So it was pretty good. Um, that's like the worst description of any Christmas ever, but it's, it's, I was say, I it's a, a nap during it. It, 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 it. it was actually, I, first off, I've never heard you be that politically correct as you were off the top, but you know, let's be fair. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, all mm-hmm. those things, whatever you may celebrate, please. Right. Peace happy and joy. Whatever. Yes. Um, I, I'm a little concerned about one thing you threw out, Jeff. What's Just because how I mean, I've known you so long, and you know, you're changing up Christmas. I mean, are the changes coming next year that you're finally going for the surgery, or <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I, I don't know what surgery you're you're talking about. Um, exactly. But uh, no, I just you know, it just it was it was kind of the first year where you know, being an adult, it's it's Christmas. Um, yeah, just I, you know, watching a lot of people walking around malls and and you know, I, I, the reason why this is muted is I think this is the first year that old Jeff's brain finally kind of identified and and saw through this this huge commercial push for Christmas. And man, I sound old fashioned, but it's just amazing. It's everywhere you go and just constantly just pushing, you know, products. And, and I guess maybe it's cause I've got my, my pop culture, pop culture eyeglasses on. Um, but you, you know, it, it seems to me that there's just, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of selling and not so much just kind of focusing on the, uh, the actual holiday itself. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, it does get to the point where especially as you run around in preparation for it, it's yeah. like, is this really what the intention of this holiday should be? Right. But, you know, I get what you're saying. And, 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 and it's probably been there most of the time. It's just the first time I've kind of put those, uh, those glasses on. So before we, uh, really just bum everybody out, let's go ahead and get out the, uh, aggressive typewriter here and let's get in some headlines. Let's get this show going. Wait for it. There we go. God, that's one big headline. That's I mean, like, <laughs> I know. it's all of them. I keep saying I'm going to shorten that. And I don't. Um, so a couple things that uh, that caught our eye. The first of which 
is considering, um, excuse me, concerning the Nielsen ratings and the fact that CBS, one of the big three uh, broadcasters, is going to drop the contract with Nielsen ratings. So <clears throat> for those of you who may not be familiar, we'll have Todd here kind of go over what Nielsen ratings are. So Nielsen is the uh, the group, I'll call them a group, that essentially for the longest time did it almost by a hand ledger where they would ask people, what did you watch last night? And you wrote it and you sent it in. And now it's based off of digital information, et cetera. And it can even include uh, playing back on a DVR. Wow. They, they give the ratings. When you hear a TV show got certain ratings, that's where it comes from is the Nielsen family group does this thing and gives it back. Now, I told Jeff I found this very interesting because one of the companies that I worked for, I left the, I left a big company to go work for this company that was, they owned a ton of television stations. And this happens in America where when you watch a television station, it's going to say owned by this company. Mm -hmm. uh, Belo is a very famous one of those. I worked for one of those groups and just in the news the other day, they're going to become the single largest television group in America, which is terrifying. But they never subscribed to Nielsen. None of their TV stations used Nielsen because the CEO believed that it really was kind of a racket and it wasn't foolproof. And he wanted to base it off of market penetration instead of actual numbers of people who watch it. I find this interesting because while I didn't entirely agree with his stance on that, I think that the Nielsen idea is so antiquated because of this today's consumption of media being that we've learned through Netflix and YouTube and whatnot now that we can find these things on our phone. And are they accurately telling me how many people are seeing this stuff when they take into live accounts and they, they wait DVR playback is somehow less than because you can fast forward through it. But you know, it, this is a very long psychological talk really when it gets into yeah why this occurs. And the reason they do this is how many people see the commercials, right? That's really what these ratings are for is how many people are watching the commercial. And obviously they can't put these boxes in everybody's homes. Do you know the percentage? It's pretty low. I don't yeah, know the actual percentage. It's such a small sampling. Yeah, and it's it's sort of like the same when they do polls for elections where they go for a very small demographic group, right. very particularly pointed to them, and they understand that if I get this person, this person represents right. 400,000 people. So, you yeah. know? And I'm it's, sure there's – yeah, and I'm sure if you do the math, I mean, it, it works out, but – from the early time that I knew of Nielsen and kind of what its what its purpose was and what it did, it's always kind of raised an eyebrow in that, you know, they're saying, oh, well, you know, 18 million people tuned into view, um, you know, this XYZ show. And I know from just the time I've spent um, with Internet companies and whatnot, those numbers are always those statistics are always skewed on, on the positive side. Right. And it's interesting because, you know, even even watching in, uh, our podcast grow and looking at listenership, you know, I, I, I get that hunger. You know, I want to have more listeners. I want to have more people listening. So I can understand why they would do that. But definitely since, you know, faster internet and now you have uh, a company like Netflix or Amazon Prime that – you click and watch, and not only do they know how what you're watching, they know how long you're watching and getting real data. And it kind of goes back to the hits versus unique users on a website. You know, the hits were kind of skewed. So good for CBS, and I, and I see this being a, a continued trend um, where they're going to start looking for real data because there seems like there's just too much of a variant there that would be able to skew things either way. I find it interesting also because if you look at a lot of reports that have come out, <clears throat> viewership on the major networks this year is down dramatically as people shift their viewing habits away. Mm -hmm. You know, I've even gotten to the point talking about with my wife, who is incredibly adverse to change and incredibly adverse to technology. But I've gone to her and said, look, I don't watch the major networks anymore. Right. Let's get rid of it. Let's go to one of those, you know, DirecTV offers a streaming version of their their packages and it's infinitely yep. cheaper. When you start looking at that, the things like CBS, another reason I think they're pulling away is because it's not cost effective anymore for them to pay for this right. data Yeah, when they're going to have to change their model anyway because their viewership is down. You get into that Netflix doesn't even release the number of people who actually watch a show. <laughs> right. They just say that's our highest rated. Well, what does that mean? It's our highest rated. And to them. Right. The, the the bigger thing is is 
getting a, a, a bit of feedback on where it fits into the pop culture discussion. Where is it hitting? Is this thing I'm going to talk about, the innocent man, is it hitting enough that people are talking about it? And do they see the trends right. within social media that people are sharing it? That's bigger than how many people watch the show because every time that happens, somebody might go join Netflix. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And it, and it is definitely a sign of the time and the fact that, uh, you know, some changes are being made. I'm looking forward to it. Um, one of the services you should look at, and uh, I'm not, again, I'm not supported by them or paid by them, but I use is PlayStation View. And I know we're both Xbox people, but PlayStation View, that service is fantastic and it includes local channels. Oh, really? And you get DVR with it too. It's a cloud DVR. Well, so, I just the I just last week had my house finally upgraded. They they'd done the fiber upgrade throughout all the town where I live, and oh. the one area I live in was the very last one that they decided to do. But now the speeds in my house are fast enough. I was kind of like, well, maybe I can actually think about this and still get good quality video. What kind of speeds are you talking about? Um, I know you're queuing up the music, the hoity-toity music. No, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Talk about hundreds or. You get a gig uh, yet? It's a gigabyte, but nice. it, it hasn't ranged. It's been around six hundred. Nice, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's infinitely faster than I was. That's pl that's plenty, plenty fast. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Um, so we got a little update from uh, Todd in his house and uh, talking about the Nielsen ratings. Good jerk. Our our second um, uh, headline is Jack Black has just launched a gaming focused YouTube channel. And so this obviously is um, something, you know, brand new and there's probably not a lot of data on it. Uh, we got this article off of Variety. And um, according to Jack Black, the channel will focus on, quote, games, food and life, according to the description underneath the intro clip. Um, it's going to be bigger, quote, it's going to be bigger than Ninja. Ninja is obviously the Twitch personality uh, on Twitch. Um it's going to be bigger than uh, PewDiePie, uh, close quote, Black said before attempting and failing to impersonate YouTube's biggest gaming celebrity. So this will be interesting. I think there'll be some initial um, interest. It looks like his first video already has 1.2 million views. But I, uh, if, we're, if we're at that age when we're in our 20s and we're in Jack Black's doing this, is this just old entertainer trying to... You know, do we see this as just trying to get back in the mix or? Well, you know, every once in a while you get somebody like this that has something to offer. I think it's too early, obviously, to really say what it is. Um, I, I'm not the biggest gaming viewer of the world. I don't know what else to call that. V gaming viewer? I, I don't know. But what does he have to say? Is he bringing people on? Is he simply a conduit for having right. other people? talk i don't know what it's going to be he's a big enough name and he definitely touches into those areas where i think that he could work on something like youtube i yeah. just don't i don't know what he has to offer we'll keep an eye on that but uh and i think i think if you just go to youtube and and um and do a search for jack black it should pop up oh uh the name of it is uh jablinski is the name okay. of it so there you go Jack Before Black. The next show, I'll watch one of them. I'll check it out after the show too, um, uh, and kind of see maybe we can talk about it a little bit on the next show. So that's headlines. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, Todd's take on. Of course, that requires me getting this uh, nice little projector out, firing it up, and throw it to Todd. Todd, what's your take on this week? My take is on the new Netflix show, The Innocent Man, which is a docu-series uh, telling the story of Ron Williamson, a man who sat on Oklahoma's death row for 11 years for a crime he didn't commit. It's based on a novel by John Grisham, who John Grisham, famous of The Firm and A Time to Kill. This was his only nonfiction work. Uh, they've come and based this around that story. It, it, you know, Jeff and, and the pre-pro made a pretty good point that, you know, we're having a ton of these type of things come out. I think when you saw how successful making a murder or whatever that was called was uh, how successful that was, you just knew that everybody's going to go, hey, we got a billion of these stories. It's a compelling story because it's this description I read is really doesn't do it justice. It's a couple of people, a couple of things that happened with what seemed to be corrupt cops in Ada, Oklahoma, which Ada, Oklahoma is right by where I grew up. So it was like, oh my God, I'm glad I never went to Ada, Oklahoma. But 
I, I find these things very compelling. This is very well done because the best documentaries really should not answer the questions they pose on their own. They should allow the people to, to form opinions. And in your mind, you take the opinion away. And I thought they were very respectful of the fact that they they tried to allow the, the cops that appear to be crooked to speak for themselves. Of course, they refused. But they had some archival footage of the, the lead prosecutor. And it was it's a very interesting take. You come away with your opinion. And I'd be I'd be interested to know anyone else who watched it if they had an opinion other than I guess what's the obvious one. And I don't want to say anything because I want the people watch it on their own. I think it's very good. It's an easy watch. It's uh only what six episodes, I think. Yeah. So it's a very easy watch. And if you like these kind of true crime things, jump out there and watch it. I think you won't be disappointed. You know, and I, and I didn't mean to, when we first was talking about it in the pre-production to, to sound like a negative Nancy. Um, it's just, what, for, do you do something other than negative Nancy? <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I did watch this and, and, um, was very interested in, in kind of seeing what they were going to take away from it. Cause you, you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, after making of a murderer came out, then we had staircase and then we've had some other ones. And then this one came out and, you know, to me, there's two disturbing trends. Um, one, um, these all take place in different states and there seems to be a lot of people um being you know uh incarcerated falsely in fact at the end of the innocent man it said was it uh 4% or 9% and 4%. It, yeah 4% which equates to about what was it 80 80 or 90,000 people 90,000 people are the, it's the one of the very last stats it offers is that 4% of those incarcerated are innocent which equates you you hear 4% and you're like oh, okay well that's not that bad until they say it's just shy of 100,000 people and you think ooh yeah. that's kind of a screwed up system if we have 100,000 people sitting in jail who didn't do anything wrong and you you watch this and I kind of get where these prosecutors are coming from because they're like, Hey, I had the evidence and that evidence showed yeah. this. Yeah. But the DNA evidence shows something entirely different. And at that point they aren't willing to acquiesce and say, Oh, well, hang on that. Yeah. That's compelling. Instead, it's like, Nope, they just got off on a technicality. And right. so that's a very disturbing thing when people have that kind of power. And I think that's what I find more interesting oftentimes in these than I do the actual crime itself. And, and the process is interesting as well. And I thought that, uh, you know, John Grissom is featured on the documentary. And I thought he's, boy, he is very well-spoken. This is probably sound a little stupid uh, for those that uh, are, are, who write books generally are pretty good with words. But I just thought he was well-composed. And, and uh, 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 I heard him on NPR uh, recently, kind of, I think maybe he was talking about the special. But what what a uh, articulate uh, young man, or I shouldn't say young man, older man, middle-aged man. And, uh, How about man? yeah, man, there you go. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this, but he's actually a lawyer. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. His stuff. And you can tell when you're absolutely right. When you watch this, you can tell that he's no slouch. He knows what he was researching. He understands the data that he's looking at. So at some point there's, you know, one of the people that is being accused of perhaps railroading these people into prison. He's like, nope. I looked at all the data and that's what's there. I'm just writing what's there. And right. it's like, wow. Cause you know, I, I don't think he went in with the, the, the attitude that th these individuals were innocent. I think he was on a quest to try and find the true facts. And therein lies the, uh, somebody that truly is going to search for something and, and look at all of the data and put together a pretty accurate, um, uh, a pretty accurate uh, conclusion because we can always take any of the um, you can always take any statistic or data and and have it you know turn it around so it's favorable for what you want. I think I think right. he was just trying to find out uh, what was going on there. But it, it is it is a good and I don't want to give the kind listener a, a, a you know a bad uh, a review of it or anything. Um, I think for me it was just you know, it was just a wow another another case where it's just as huge that somebody was in incarcerated for so long. And until was it DNA? Yeah, it was. And, you know, these guys went in and at the time they went into prison, DNA testing was not I, I don't even know that it had been invented. I don't know that they'd really put it out there. Um, and what's very interesting is that one of the men who really has a bit more of a sad story, how uh, someone he loved had been killed and it ruined his life. 
and then he just sort of spiraled down. He's actually the one that begins to write his own case files on, hey, I believe this is why we were wrongly put here and sends those to the Innocence Project. And and they even call out that, hey, the way he wrote, we were like immediately like, oh my God, we got to look at this. So it's from that, it's even more interesting because if you think about of that 100,000 people that are there, how many of those went into the system before there was even the possibility that they could simply test to exclude them from it. Um, you know, I, I don't want to point fingers at people, but it's just, I find those kind of abuses of power. And when you watch this, there's enough there to make you think they did abuse their power. I, I find that story very compelling. Yeah. And, and, and Grissom talks a little bit about it where, you know, and I think it's worth saying too, that, that this is something that when these people are put under such immense pressure from, from the, from the local, uh, well-to-dos and, um, you know, those people that influence the politics of a, of a city, they're put under a huge amount of, of stress and, you know, in finding somebody that did it and having that conviction and having that, you know, done and saying, okay, closed book. That's, that's good. So I, I think as much as it is, um, the inability for them to do the right thing, social stress and expectations definitely play a huge part. Um, I enjoyed it. It was on Netflix. It's called innocent, uh, innocent man. Uh, like Todd said, I think it's an, their hour piece in about six episodes. So a little bit of time, but uh, definitely worth checking out. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome, Jeff. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, put that projector away and move on to uh, Jeff's judgment on. And Jeff's judgment today is on another Netflix uh, uh, movie or production. This involves uh, some very well known actors, and it's called uh, Bird Box. And basically uh, directed by Su- uh, Suzanne Bear and written by Eric uh, ooh, H-E-I-S-S-E-R-E-R. Eric. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. Um, Jeff at the other kind radio.com. Just let me know how to say <laughs> your name. Uh, and Josh uh, Mallerman uh, helped write. Uh, Eric did the screenplay and Josh did the novel um, featuring uh, Sandra Bullock, um, John Malkovich is in it, Sarah Paulson, uh, Rosa Salazar. So there's there's some big names that are in this particular uh, cast of characters. And it is a story which I'm wondering, uh, you know, if it's based off a novel when these novels came out. But basically, Bird Box is five years after an ominous unseen presence drives most of society to suicide. A mother and her two children make a desperate bid to reach safety. So this particular uh, bad guy is, um, you, you can't look. If you if For those that see this entity, they immediately find a way to kill themselves. Um, the previews and everything that came out were definitely heavily modeled after A Quiet Place. Um, So right off the bat there, um, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a little uh, skeptical of this particular thing because for me, um, again, I don't think this movie gets made without A Quiet Place. And... It, when you can just say, yeah, when, when you can tell somebody, well, what's Bird Box about? You say, oh, well, it's just like Quiet Place, except, you know, instead of them being able to hear everything, you can't look at them. And it's taking away the sense because all the drama and uh, anticipation and scariness comes from the fact that they can't go outside and have their don't have a blindfold on. Otherwise, if they see this thing that just magically appears wherever you go, uh, they'll want to kill themselves. A lot of the film um, takes place in a house. Uh, when it goes down, it happens pretty quickly. So there's a lot of people running around. They go into a house for some um, safety, and they you know cover up the windows so they can talk and everything. And from that moment for me in the film, that's where things start to go a little uh, caterwonky. Um, you learn something about the monsters or aliens or whatever they are that to me didn't really compute. 
um, as well as some decisions that are made by main characters in the film that I don't think anybody, any group of people who are holed up trying to trying to survive this ordeal would have let have happen. So it's very the it's very much the uh, running from the from the monster and you fall down and can't get up. You know, all of a sudden you forget your, how to you forget how to write yourself and you can't can't move. Um, you know, it's is it's getting six point eight on IMDb right now with about forty thousand reviews. And I would say yes, it's it's hanging right around five. Um, it's it's a bit of a I, I guess milk toast would be a good descriptor. Um, and I think unfortunately one of the reasons why is and has to do with Sandra Bullock being the main uh, character. Um, you know, I, and and I I love Sandra's movies. I, I think she's made some funny ones. Heat's one that I watch on a regular basis that makes me laugh. Um, I understand again, and we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, with the last one I watched. I'm going to need Todd's memory here. What was the one that I saw where I thought, oh, it was the uh, Homecoming, which had uh, Julia Roberts in it. I think Bird Box kind of suffers from the same thing here, where the lead actress is not necessarily somebody you would really see uh, playing this particular part. So... Uh, and again, I won't give away the ending. Uh, I've already told Todd my thoughts on it, and Todd's still going to watch it. Maybe we'll do a little follow-up, see if I'm hitting on the same things uh, that uh, my little fresh brain, as far as the uh, film knowledge, picked up on. Um, I, you know, it's one of those ones, if it had come to movie theaters, I'd say wait till it's out on video. <laughs> but since it's out on Netflix, you know, um, I would save this for... Uh, you know, maybe uh, a day that you, uh, where it's raining or whatever, and you're inside and you're just trying to kill some time. Um, but uh, yeah, um, again, would be interested to, uh, uh, once Todd sees it, to kind of get some feedback from him. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to see this. Um, I still, just as I did on Homecoming when we discussed that, and I did finish that show and I really, really liked it. Um, I fall prey to what you just described as well. And so I'm going to challenge you to remember that just because Sandra Bullock decided she wanted to get into this business and started with speed and miscongeniality and all these kind of fluffy things, she may have wanted something deeper. So I, just like I thought Julie Roberts, I think, I think Julie, Julie Roberts did a fantastic job in homecoming. I think Sandra Bullock was outstanding in, uh, uh, Alfonso Cuaron's film Gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think she has the ability to do great work. Now I am I'm only pleading with you to oh, yeah. not go in with these kind of things. I've not seen the film. It's I may get there and go. I may come back to you and say that was the worst performance I've right. ever seen in my life because I do think she has the ability to be cringeworthy. Yeah, in much of her acting, but I I won't walk in with that right exposed idea that. I can't watch her because she's Sandra Bullock. You know, um, you you just made me think of something that 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 uh, explains this a little bit better. And, and maybe what I'm doing is I'm not I'm not communicating it properly. But here's the thing: is it the acting? Is it the actress? Or is it the director and the way the script is written? So I need to be much more careful with those words and how I use them. And I will say this: the script and the director. I think led to Sandra Bullock having a less than um, uh, average performance. Okay, and I, I think I, that's important because you know the actors themselves, and you're and you're absolutely right. Um, Julia Roberts, you know, I you know once I got into the show, I thought it was good and everything, and that did I did have my independent thought about you know that um, you know the other actress would be really good, Laura Laura Dern, but. I think for Bird Box, I think once you see it um, and see some of the decisions that were made, um, plot-wise, character-wise, I th- maybe that's what maybe that's what I uh, identified with. So I retract my statement about Sandra Bullock, and maybe maybe it was more on that or the combination of the three. Who knows? I do like whenever I just completely make you <laughs> shift into a different opinion. That you know, that's never my intent. No. But I, I just find this, I find this era of entertainment that we're in, in fascinating because I think a show like Homecoming, did you finish it, by the way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I, I won't say anything for the viewer, but there is a visual element that basically tells you the final answer of the story. You don't usually find true visual storytelling in television to where the, it's something that has to occur for the character to gain knowledge just by visual element. In television, that's usually very spoken. There may, there's visuals along with it, obviously, but it's not that way. I just find it compelling that actors like Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock are turning to these things which are geared towards television releases and are bringing true film production elements to television. I, I'm, I'm really excited by that. Yeah. Yeah. That is good. That is good. And, 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 um, yeah, I mean, I, you have kind of changed my opinion a little bit, but that's, you know, the best conversations when we've both seen it. So we'll do some follow up with that. Um, cool. And those kind listeners that want to, you know, check it out. And then, you know, we're always welcome to hear your points of view and everything. Uh, it's Todd at theotherkindradio.com, Jeff at theotherkindradio.com, or just info at theotherkindradio.com. Which, uh, before we get into the main stage uh, topic today, do want to remind everybody we are giving away a free Amazon Echo Dot. The Dot is the small one. I've got one here uh, in the studio. Um and I just remembered it's not hooked up, <laughs> um, oh. but uh, uh, very simple to enter. Go ahead, Todd. So we are. We are simply asking, and remind me now, because was it the film conservatory list that we asked you to add three films to, or was it the AFI that we asked you to add three films to? No, it was just uh, your 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 favorite, three films that you're favorite. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so we even had, we didn't get to uh, say this on uh, Twitter, but... Amanda Flanagan tweeted out to us that she loved The Greatest Showman, Mamma Mia, and La La Land, which, hey, you, you know, I loved La La Land. I was one of those people jumping up and down over that film. So I, I completely understand the love, and I love anybody that loves musicals. So, Amanda, thank you for that. We want to hear more of you. Just hit us on Twitter. Let us know your three favorite films. If you can do that for us, then we'll put you in the drawing for this Echo Dot and Jeff, we're going to give that away not next week, but the week after. Is that what we just said? I think originally I said the thirtieth, but I want to. Um, you know, these weeks are kind of short, um, and uh, I want to make sure we get a few people uh, some time to get into it. As uh, the holiday kind of interrupted, I was tweeting every day, and then I didn't get to. Uh, and, and just so the listener knows, this isn't like one you had on your shelf for uh, a couple months or anything, right? This is brand new packaging and all that good stuff. Brand new with a plastic packaging around it, never been touched. Um, we want to give it to you. We want to give back to you guys because you give us so much. All we ask is, like we said, that is that is the fee to entry. Tell us your three favorites so that we can talk about it. So, like and, Amanda, join in and let us know what you think. That's right. And then the person that wins, we are going to offer them uh, a chance if they feel comfortable. Some people don't. Uh, uh, to be on the show. So, um, you could be on the other kind of radio as a winner so See, they, they don't care about the echo dot they want to come in here and talk to you <laughs> they want to they, tell they me want to hear that big beefy voice talking to them right right directly so you know who's going to win now right your dad sandra bullock hey <laughs> so jeff <laughs> you thought i'm not very good in that huh jeff what kind of name is jeff right exactly oh just because you were in cheaper by the dozen in high school oh you think you're a big shot huh that you performance was awful Oh, yeah. Cheap by the Dozen, uh, Brigadoon, Haunting of Hill House. Wow. I truth thespian. <laughs> right? They couldn't sing. And sometimes. Happy holidays. <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes would remember his lines. Hey, and like I said, folks, if, if something we've said here or if you watch the show, feel free to hit us up on Twitter or um, Instagram or internet or uh, email to let us know what you are thinking. And don't worry, I will keep Jeff from becoming old man when he tells you just hit us up on internet. If he ever says it again, I'll just tell him that there are actual lanes of traffic you go through and get there by going through things like Twitter. Not If you'll just hit us up on the internet. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Get a chef on our internet. That's funny. It, it is something that happens inside of your head as you get older. You know, I, I I'll say some things sometimes, and 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 young people look at me like, what What are you doing? I th I think I said recently. I said uh, somebody asked me um, what I had been up to. I said, oh, you know, just hanging around, kicking it. And they were like, stop. Nobody says yeah, that. It, I, I hey I because having a sixteen year old, um, I can speak 16 year old and just ask you what's the t sis 
If I hear that one more time Whoa. in my life, what's, what's what, the tea what is this? that? Ooh, wait, let me write this down. This is a new this is a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the, the tea means? What's the gossip? What's the word? But what's the T stand for? I, I, you know, she tried to explain that to me one time, and I was never real clear on it. Uh, we also, so I'm, I'm going to say this because when I grew up, the word queen meant it usually had something to do with homosexuality. You were right, it was right, almost right, derogatory right. territory. Now everybody can be a queen oh. when they simply are like, oh, queen, like you're owning it, like drama. So, yeah. So she and her friends. Oh, oh, will come oh wait, and wait, wait, wait! You said when you're owning it, so it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a point of reverence. And so her friends will go, ooh, queen, towards me. And I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, you know, that's just, and it's not, hey, call me a queen. I don't care. It doesn't offend right, me. Right, 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 But I'm thinking, wow, hang on. Is this where I need to step in as a parent? Go, that's kind of derogatory. You might offend some people. <laughs> oh, now it's, it's okay. Oh, okay. Now I'm totally confused. You need to, you need to go to your, your lovely daughter. And mm-hmm. we won't do it. We won't bother every week. But I definitely think if she could give us one saying from a 16 year old okay um and then i get an i get a chance to try and decipher what it is i think that would be great what's what's the what was it what was it what's the t what's the t sis what's the t sis but you can't i can't say what's the t todd no you need to add something like sis and that they all call each other sis or baby okay or Bo. Bo's big i we don't use Bo here i hadn't heard that one i think Bo means boyfriend so there's a heads up for you well, yeah, actually, Bo means boyfriend from like 1950. Right, it's coming back. Oh, good God. You know what? Okay, I'll tell you. Here's a fun segment, and this is what I'll do. Okay. What if I were to record a segment with my daughter? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just called, what's the tea, sis? <laughs> she can actually tell us a new saying that we need to learn. I love it. What's the tea, sis? And okay, I'll, I'll try and figure something. I'll try to work on that this week with her. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, let's get into, um, and, and, you know, we're just going to kind of touch on a few things here. Uh, we're just going to talk about the holidays. And um, even though I gave a, <laughs> as, as we would say back in the day, a melancholy, uh, a melancholy type of r- review of this Christmas. Uh, so now before the show ends, I, I'd like to try and save myself and say, I, I had a great Christmas. We all did. The family did. It was great to see everybody. Um you know, I, I don't know if I'm just tired or, or uh, what it is. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. One of the gifts I got for Christmas, a weighted blanket. Do you know what that is? I, I'm assuming so that it will go back to when you're a child and that feeling of being cocooned and it's holding you down. I did I did ask my, my father. I was like, you know, is there a reason for that? Yeah, it's a weighted blanket. It's 15 pounds, this oh, blanket. Holy hell. And I absolutely love it. And I was uh, trying to figure, I was asking him, you know, psychologically why that might be. And So the next time I see you, I'm just going to put you on the ground. I'm just going to lay right on top of you. It, it, you know, it's a little bit more weight. I don't understand that, Jeff. Why do you need something pressing down on you? I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. And so jokingly, I said, maybe it's because I'm adopted. And my dad said, everything's because you're adopted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love your dad. That is so, so right. You know, I, my wife and I went, went, I don't do spas. She made me one time for like an anniversary, go with her for a couple's massage. Yeah, that's still weird. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, trust me. But then they wrapped us up. They they put like mud on us, and then they wrapped us in these blankets. It didn't bother me, but that woman freaked out. It was like, oh, oh my really? god, I gotta get out of here. I got. So I can only imagine a fifteen pound blanket. Yeah, I she like might it. have wigged out. And that's the perfect segue into uh, the center stage where we're <laughs> we're going to talk wow. about, <laughs> we're gonna okay. talk about the holiday season. We're obviously going to do a New Year's Eve show, New Year's Eve Eve show on Sunday. Um, is Sunday New Year's Eve or is that Eve Eve? No, that would be Eve Eve Eve. Eve, Eve. Okay. And we're going to do, a, you know, a, a review of the year and maybe talk about some of the pop culture things and then famous people that have maybe passed on or whatnot over. It'll be real joyous. Anyway, um, we're going to focus just a little bit on, you know, the holiday season right now, um, traditions and kind of maybe cover our favorite holiday film, uh, song, and, you know, pop culture thing. On the pre-production meeting, we were talking about Elf on the Shelf. I never had one. I don't think those were around in our childhood. Um, but I guess they're still a thing. And I'm not even sure what Elf on the Shelf is. So explain that. So Elf on the Shelf <clears throat> is... Any parent that's gone through it will understand why I say this. It's a little bit of hell for parents. 
It's a little, we, we had an elf like this when I was a kid, but it was just an elf you decorated somewhere and you yeah. left it. Yeah. On the shelf is this idea that this elf moves into your house at the beginning of the Christmas season, usually the day after Thanksgiving, I believe. And what is put upon, oh God, I hope there are no children listening to this. What's put upon the parent is to come up with new ideas about what the elf is going to do every day. Oh, and so, you know what, the first few times, it's a lot of fun because what you do is you go, if your kid has like a Tupperware thing that holds all their cereal in it, you knock the, the cereal over, spread it out, and the elf is inside the cereal like he's eating. Or there's candy everywhere, or you put powdered sugar on the counter and make a little snow angel out of powdered sugar. You do things every day. It has to be different. You do that from the time the kid's about six. This is the first year we've not done it. So nine years Ooh. of trying to come up with fresh ideas 30 times a year oh wow. my god and so this year i got asked oh is ralphie not come back i'm like ralphie's dead so thank you for discovering our next podcast idea we're gonna do elf on the shelf year one and I, i'll tell you what <laughs> I, I, if we could figure out a podcast where you gave Elf on the Shelf ideas every week. Right. Jeff, you'd be rich men because there'd be so many parents going, give it to me. Come on, God, you got to so, Okay, I've got questions. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Bring it, bring it. I thought Elf on the Shelf was a parenting technique to make sure that the kid behaved well so that Santa Claus would still come. Okay, like the Elf so, on the Shelf's watching you. So, you know, if you go in the kitchen, you're like, I'm not hungry. I don't want to. I go, oh, Elf on the Shelf hears you. And so does Alexa and the government. No way. But anyway, um, I this thought that's what it was. Of you being adopted, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it, it's not a parenting technique. It's just this little mischievous, mischievous uh, doll that creepily gets into stuff. Because that also leads me to my next idea, which is a horror film. Yeah, it, it does have Chucky elements to it. Yeah. Um, no, as far as I've, you know, unless somebody really screwed me up and has messed with my mind <laughs> that for 30 times a year I had to find new fresh ideas. No, it is. He is mischievous. Oh. He is doing horrible things. And some of it's, you know, some of it's fun. Like uh, when you're a toilet papered a room and you toilet papered everywhere and you have fun with that. But, but I mean, what do you do? You like, like, so like then, then your kid walks in and goes, oh, oh, yeah, Stanley's at it again. I mean, and I had fun because of my love of Batman. I, I cut out a Batman thing and put it on him, and I put a, a light behind him so the bat signal was up on the wall. I mean, you just – seriously, you're desperate for this kind of crap. And here's the thing that bugs me most of all is it smacks of – and I'm giving Jeff air quotes – creativity. Yeah. That people are like, oh, look at me. I'm so creative. Bullshit. And I usually try not to cuss on here, but Elf on the Shelf gets a bullshit. Okay. You're not being creative. You're just being – you're regurgitating other garbage ideas. Some of it is fun. Some of it's cute. I I absolutely hate garbage like forced creativity, and that's what this is. Okay, okay, but here I'm on I'm on Huffington Post ca, and it says um, it's an article. How does Elf on the Shelf work? And it says, if you're new to parenting game, you're probably wondering, what the heck is Elf on the Shelf? Elf on the Shelf is a Christmas tradition where a special scout is sent to your home from the North Pole to encourage kids to behave themselves. Oh, crap. Whatever. <laughs> that is, you know, the majority of the world, that is not what they that do. What that's, I just like I just like for you that, to be with a group of your friends that have kids, too. And they're like, you know, what did you do? Oh, uh, Stanley, you know, he uh, he he broke a picture frame today. Now, what is fun, you know, and parents, if you, if you have your kids listening, I'm sorry for the BS earlier, and I'm going to also ask you to turn down for the next 20 seconds. I'll try to make this very succinct. What's fun is you'll find the parents who've gotten a little tired of it and have older kids, and they actually start doing things like up on the shelf that's in bed with Barbie. That, that Those kind of things you'll find are pretty funny, but, you know, thank God we never got to that point. I, I really don't want to have to do it. Uh, okay, but here it is. At night, so the second rule, or what's the first rule? I didn't read it. Um, we'll talk about Fight Club. <laughs> right. Um, what is what is? Okay, so <clears throat> first children are not allowed to touch the elf, or he or she will lose their magic. However, as an elf is touched by a mistake, the official Elf on the Shelf website advises children write a letter to Santa to apologize. Um, 
God almighty, seriously. The second rule. No, this is interesting. Uh, we're dropping we're dropping listeners like you wouldn't believe. The second rule of Elf on the Shelf, this elf will not speak or move while the kids are awake. The elf only moves overnight when he or she makes a trip back to the North Pole. Once he or she returns home, he or she assumes a new position in the house. And that's where the shenanigans come in. Gotcha. And so, you know, the funny thing is this really is kind of touching on pop culture because for those of us with kids, this is part of the popular culture. You're forced to do this. Once you get into it, oh my God, it's terrible. Now, now they've gotten to the people that make the elves. You can go into Target or wherever and you can buy different clothes and outfits and things for them. It's like, Oh my God, now you want me to spend money on this garbage. <laughs> you know, I, the most fun I ever had was whenever it was the simple idea of you take three rolls of toilet paper and each one uh, decreasing in size and you put shove him right down the, the tubes mm-hmm. and draw dots on him so he looks like a snowman. <laughs> I mean, I had fun with that. That I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. After nine years, but, though. That's but, nice yeah, I'm so glad it's, it's gone. I don't have to deal with it anymore. Okay, so that obviously is not, not one of your favorite... Uh, elements of the holiday uh, season so let's let's jump into what we know a little bit more about let's talk about movies and it doesn't have to be a christmas movie necessarily but a movie maybe that is watched uh you know around the home is there something that uh that you play annually in in the house um you know like so many people christmas story had been such a big part of things to me it's kind of been ruined by the nonstop marathons that it yeah. has on TV now where it's like, oh, okay, I can't even get away from it. Like a wonderful life. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, actually there might probably one of my very favorite stories of all time. This is Christmas or not is a Christmas Carol. Charles Dickens. A yeah. Christmas Carol. Yeah. Love that story. And the Albert Finney version from the seventies where it's a musical and just called Scrooge. I yes. love that one. Uh, I love that so much that I didn't get to watch it this year, but my sister even texted me just to say, say she was watching it thinking of me. She knows what oh. it means. So that one to me, it just completely captures what I think of when I think of the Christmas spirit. Did you know that um, uh, Die Hard is considered a Christmas movie? Yeah, which I don't get. And I guess Bruce Willis is it gets a little fired up when somebody says that. But I mean, I think he's he's headed home to, and it is yeah. near close to Christmas. I, I I think that's kind of interesting. It's interesting. I don't agree with it, but you know, hey, whatever. <clears throat> Growing up, ours was Christmas Vacation. Um, okay. You know, that just was that was a you know a big big film to to play every year, get everybody around and and watch it pop. Uh, and I love uh, slapstick comedy, so you know it was fun to kind of. Sit and watch all the stuff that happens to the Griswolds, and and there are some some pretty funny moments in there. Um, to, that's a, that's a good fun one. That's definitely yeah, fun. That's a good one. Now you know the other big element of um, the holidays and and uh, pop culture is you know of course the music. Now we all know that um, it's played incessantly on the radio. Um, you had this year. Uh, I think it's uh, baby. It's cold outside. Got uh, became the latest victim of of uh, hashtag or whatever, right? And, and interestingly enough, I mean, it is kind of a creepy song if you look at the words. Um, it's funny because I'd never really. I kept hearing rumblings about. Eh, it's kind of an objectionable song. And then whenever it really hit the share, I read the words on. When it gets that second verse, you're kind of like, ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I kind of see why people are upset by it. I mean, and, and I guess in some elements, it's good that at least the attention's there and it's being recognized. Right. But it is a Christmas song. And like anything else, right, as you've heard us say here on The Other Kind Radio, um, if you don't like it, turn it off. Um, you know, obviously, you have some control over what you what you intake. Um, I remember when Santa, or excuse me, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer came out. That was played a lot, and a lot of people are bothered by that song. Um, I, you know, to me, it was just another attempt at comedy. Um, do you have a favorite? I'm sure it's uh, Bruce Springsteen's Bruce Springsteen Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, every it is not Christmas until we're in the car, and my daughter plays that for me. That uh, has to happen. Um, and usually, we have a tradition of driving around to look at Christmas lights yes. in people's yards and whatnot, and trying to find you know the overly obnoxious one. And at that point, we we cycle through a ton. Um, uh, my wife she- and and daughter love Michael <clears throat> Bublé, and they have that. There's Harry Connick Jr. has a little bit more of a New mm-hmm. Orleansy kind of mm-hmm. jazz one, and I do like his Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. It's a lot of fun. It's a little bit big bandy. I really like it. I, I and I've, I've told you this before. I don't do favorites real well. 
I, I get right. moved. So that's why I say the Springsteen thing, you know, love it. Lo- love that man. And, and because I know that it's my daughter's way of not acknowledging daddy, I know this means yeah. something to you. But other than that, it, you know, those couple that I really don't have anything. What about you? Well, I was going to ask first, how does she play it for you in the car? Uh, phone hooked up through the Bluetooth in the oh, car. Okay. All right. We, we have a playlist that is Christmas music and she cycles. She is our DJ in the back. Now what will inevitably happen? Oh, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? Eventually my wife goes, are you going to play one that I like? <laughs> we have that fight every year. And so I look at my daughter and go, don't be stupid. Play mommy's first. But yeah, that she's our DJ. Um, for me, I mean, yeah, all of those hits are great. I, I do like, uh, there's a uh, uh, pianist by the name of uh, George Winston who has an album called December that's pretty good. Um, and Harry Connick Jr. is fantastic. Bruce is good. Um, then you've got, you know, all I want for Christmas is a hippo. That one's kind of fun to hear once. Um, yeah once yeah. <laughs> um and and I, you're right you're right it's it's kind of unfair to ask for a favorite um I, I rather than my favorite my favorite song to play that immediately drives everyone crazy is um mariah carey's um all i want for christmas is you because that is an immediate um drop of um what is uh what's superman allergic to kryptonite that's a kryptonite song that just sends everybody into their part of the house. <laughs> then don't come to my house because that is my wife and daughter's favorite song. And I must have heard that 20 times. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I'll, I'll sit there and listen to it and sing along and everything. It's just kryptonite to everybody else. Yeah. All right. So we talked about that a little film, a little music. Is there anything else as a tradition or, or whatnot that uh, that you like um, regarding kind of the pop culture of, of, of the holiday season? You know, when it gets down to the rest of the holiday season, there doesn't tend to be a ton of pop culture for us. It, it really comes down to, and I think it's the truth for so many that this is, this is family time and yeah, you know, so many things there. I make etouffee every year in tribute Ooh. to my grandmother. I make that for Christmas Eve. She, she lived in Cajun land. She was not a Cajun, but she, she lived around that. So that permeated her yeah. cooking. She taught me to cook it. So I make it in her memory. Um, what kind? Uh, crawfish. Crawfish. Of course, yes. We just threw away the last of it yesterday because we looked at it. And, you know, because basically, if you if you don't know what etouffee is, it's a big stick of butter and flour with a lot of seafood crap in it. So it's not good for you. My wife and I looked and went, okay, that's got to go. But you know, when it comes to pop culture in our house, my wife is not the pop culture enthusiast. My daughter and I are, but she understands there's always a TV, there's always music. So even though there may not be the favorites, it's always cycling through because I think you need that that influx of garbage to keep you in the holiday spirit because good lord when it's over do you not feel the right it's done right um and, and one thing i i just through conversation over the uh the season that i realized that our family does a little bit different is when do you open your presents it's kind of split we do uh, my wife and daughter and i do it christmas morning um, with my wife's family until this year because of her father's passing, we did that on Christmas Eve. And yeah. then with my family, we do it Christmas afternoon. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, my family, we've always done it on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I, I didn't know there was any other way. And other people do it oh, really? on Christmas. Yeah. Because, you know, you open your presents Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas morning, Santa Claus has come and laid out some just unwrapped gifts and stuff, uh, extra right. little things for you. So, um, but but uh, yeah. So what what part of the country did your did um, is it your in laws mm-hmm. that open well, on Christmas Christmas Eve? It, luckily, my wife and I grew up in neighboring towns, so it's so it's drive tech- up there. Yeah, that, okay. That's the biggest whip of all for Christmas from is me for me <clears> is that on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day we do what we need to do here. We drive up there, do what we need to do there, drive back. We sleep, we open presents, we drive up there and we drive back. And it's <laughs> it just is. like, Oh my God. So it's only, it's less than an hour to get there. But you said the in-laws open on Christmas Eve, right? Yes. Okay. And is that because you're not there the next day or that's just, just what they do? That's just over time. What was decided was uh-huh. because you know, she, my wife has a sister and oh, okay. her family needs to be with his family and how we make this work. And they just, they took the Christmas Eve. It got changed this year because she had an uncle come in town. Right. Right. For everybody. But, I think we all know this. The holidays are a wonderful, beautiful time to be with people, 
to tell them you love them, but by the time it's over, you're kind of like, <laughs> right. I need 365 days yes. to recover before this happens again. Yes. And it is, that's the other thing is it's just running around even, and we, we didn't even leave the city, um, but it was running around and just getting everybody where they need to be and gifts and all that stuff. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this, this week's show. Um, happy holidays to everybody. Todd, you got any final words there? Don't want to surprise you. I'll keep talking and kind of give you a second to think of something. No, he's ready and go. <laughs> I was not prepared for that and ready and go. I just want to say this. This has been a blast this year doing this. I tell you this all the time. I love doing this podcast with you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever it is you celebrate, Jeffrey. Right. To you to your parents, to all of them. Please pass it on to them that I said hello and much love their way. Yeah, and they, they all say the same to you and and uh, echo your uh, sentiments about uh, doing the show. You know, we I look back, we started things up around March, so we even don't even really have a full year under the belt yet, but we're getting there. And uh, all the time that you've uh, that your family's allowed you to come on the show and, and interrupt what they what they want to do on that day, I appreciate it. And uh, let's we'll see how things have changed uh, a year from now in December. And we'll be uh, another year under the belt, a little more veteran uh, when it comes to the podcasting. So, um, again, we're going to talk to you. This is the last uh, podcast for the year. We're going to be back on New Year's Eve Eve and go through a few more things thank you for joining us today remember at all times you can send us your feedback uh wishes wants as far as topics at info at the other kind radio.com or if you just want to email todd and, and give him some pointers on what to tell me and how to be a better host that's uh, todd at the other kind radio.com um all right enjoy the rest of your week we'll see you on sunday we all are the other kind radio the other the other kind of brain.